Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website. That's sumatisparks.com. S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks are flying. And when you request the quiz, you'll automatically be added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events and receive helpful tidbits of advice and information to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So today, I'm so excited to have as my guest, Shanri Nato. Shanri is an embodied erotic poet, a dancer, and a sensual intelligence and embodiment expert. She connects the heart and the mind with the body. And her mission is for people to not only consume art and pleasure, but to become it. And she's a guide for those who want to reclaim and embody self-love, pleasure, and joy. So happy to have you here today, Shanri. Welcome. Thank you so much, Timothy. So um, first of all, I'd really like to have our audience kind of understand these terms that you use. Like maybe you could start out by defining sensual intelligence and embodiment for people that aren't used to hearing those words. And then I'd love to go into more about like how you became an expert in those things. But first, can you just define the terms for us? Yeah. um, So sensual intelligence is um, the definition is the artful knowing of embodied feeling and being. Um, it's, it's our ability to like, understand and appreciate all parts of ourselves that are sensitive and alive and feeling in the world. Um, sens- sensual intelligence, it exists wherever our bodies exist, and, and it comes out in our body's expression. And then embodiment is the awareness of our bodies how our bodies receive, experience, and communicate feelings and emotions. Receive, experience, and communicate. What was that? Mm-hmm. Feelings and what emotions. Was the last feelings and emotions. What's the difference between feelings and emotions? Well, it's more so for, for other people. So, um, so a feeling is, I mean, they're actually very closely related and some people would, you know, would have them be the same thing. But for, for my sake, the feeling is like a, like a sensation in the body, whether it's like a tingling or a, um, a heaviness, et cetera. And then an emotion Mm -hmm. is the, the name that we may give, that we may give to our, well, to our, our feelings. Sometimes we'll have feelings that we're not exactly able to pinpoint and name, but it's more of a sensation within the body. And emotions okay. tend to be something that we, that we can name, but then the feelings actually help to give more nuance and specificity to the emotion. So it sounds like they kind of go together. Yes. <laughs> like I'm feeling scared and that's an emotion, scared, and then the, the feeling is that I have this kind of like 
like tingling in my gut. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So you can feel scared, but then it can, but scared can mean and feel in so many different ways. And so exactly what you said, you can have a tingling in your gut or a sinking feeling or your whole body feels like it's closing up and clamming up. And all of those um. are, uh, that are, they're, connected to and related to the emotion but it just gives it gives more um, more direct body experience of it and can sometimes be actually more easily translated than just an emotion word if that makes sense yeah gosh I'm already seeing the depth of this this is going to be a great conversation I really want to go more deeply into emotions and stuff because there's so many ways that we repress that especially during pandemic times with, you know, the loss of the oxytocin and the serotonin from the connection with people. And so many of us are feeling grief and sadness and separation and stress, and we're using all kinds of substances to bury that. And so I can see how your work would be really helpful, particularly during this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like, one thing that I am finding with, you know, with sensual intelligence, with, you know, with increasing it is when we're able to combine both what the, you know, with the feeling sense in our, you know, in our bodies and ourselves and the emotion, when we're able to be aware of both of them, then we can better um, see what we really need. Um, because you know, yes, we're, um, we're 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 lacking oxytocin connections. We're lacking lacking serotonin, and and that those lacks manifest in different ways at different times. You know, different times in the pandemic, different times within our mm-hmm. own within our own grief cycle, and mm-hmm. um, and that means that there are different different ways that we can actually get our needs met. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to go into that more, but let's go back a little bit to how does one become a sensual intelligence expert? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your story and <laughs> how you ended how you ended up <laughs> with that title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I just at the very beginning, I am all of this started actually when I was 16 and Mm -hmm. I was a really I loved academics I loved reading I loved poetry and but I also grew up in a household in a community and a culture where um, connection to my body was connection to your body and even talking about your body was a sin was not allowed um, and so I actually grew up not knowing anything about my body, not, not anything about pleasure or about its function or anything like that. And so I was actually scared being in my body, being a body out in the world. And then I was, and also I didn't have any, I didn't have any skill with which to describe what was happening with me and to share about it with anyone. It was just like a really scary place to be. And then when I was 16, I, I had a mentor who took advantage of me. He, he molested me and I didn't know what to do at all. It totally sent me into a deep depression. 
I was scared. Mm. I was shamed. And I had no idea um, what, you know, what to say or how to say anything to anyone because I'd never, you know, that was never, it was never a conversation. Nothing about the body was a safe thing to, to talk about and to express. Um, And so I got really depressed and then my guidance counselor, they, they found me wandering the halls completely aimlessly and they just sat me down and told me that I needed to um, take an elective class. And, and the first assignment that we had the dance class, was to create our own solo. It could be about anything we wanted. And I ended up making a dance embodied and expressed everything that I couldn't say about what had happened to me, all of my rage and fear and confusion and, you know, all of these emotions that I didn't have words for and I didn't feel like I had permission to to, to share, I was able to process them, integrate them, release them through this dance. And so from that moment on, uh, the connection between mind, body, and heart came to life for me. And that is, and that's, you know, that's the origin of, you know, of sensual intelligence because once again, um, sensual intelligence is the, you know, is the artful knowledge of your embodied feeling and being. And the word artful is very important in this because it's not something that is necessarily intellectually understood or intellectually um, that you can intellectually express to someone. It is something mm-hmm. that is that can be somewhat abstract and can and is a lived experience um, that we often aren't taught from, you know, from childhood in our culture, et cetera, et cetera. And so like from, from that point on, I literally just studied how, you know, studied how I was in the body, studied with other people, how, you know, how they were in the body, how they communicated with each other. And then of course, sensuality and sexuality comes, you know, comes in that, you know, because we are sensing beings with our, you know, our sight, touch, taste, smell, and hearing. Um, and so I just spent years studying that personally and, um, and share, you know, sharing what I learned with other people from, you know, from youth to, to adults. And, the, and that's, yeah, that's that story. <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate your vulnerability with that and that you are a survivor of a molestation is the word you use. Um, but I, you know, when you talked about dancing, you know, you just like intuitively knew to dance out your feelings and your experience. And so it's almost like you were kind of destined to deliver that message as dance as your primary art for this work because you just like your body just knew that it needed to release things that way. Like another person might have painted or or wrote a song, right? But mm-hmm. yours came out in your body through dance. So that, that kind of just feels like that's what you were chosen to do. <laughs> the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally feel that way because, I mean, before then, I had, I love creative writing. I mean, writing was my first, my first art. Um, and theater, I did plenty of theater. But there was mm-hmm. something about dance that took away that extra 
that extra mind mind chatter that you know sometimes I would have to I would have to do in order to like speak some lines in the play or um, you know or write down the words. Dance was something that was just like direct. There was no there was no filter. It didn't have to be understood by anyone or anybody. It was just you know it was just itself. <laughs> A very direct right, connection. Right, right. Yeah, it reminds me. I was working with some clients with a couple. And when I work with that are opening their relationship for the first time, I'll say, how do you want to reconnect with your primary partner when you come back from a date with someone else? Some people might want to talk about everything, share all the details as long as they have consent from the other person. And other people might want to just act like nothing happened at all, you know, like just ignore that that ever Mm -hmm. happened. And most people are somewhere in between. So I help them like negotiate Mm -hmm how to reconnect after they've had a date with someone else. And this one couple, they were really into the dance world, the kind of ecstatic dance, um, you know, experience. And so the woman said she wants to dance for her partner when she gets, when he, wait, when he comes back from a date with another woman, she wants him to witness her dance of how she's feeling since her partner just went and, you know, maybe had sex or had some kind of intimate connection with someone else for the first time. Like she wanted to mm-hmm. dance that for him and have him witness it. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And so now with hearing mm-hmm. you talk like that totally makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That sounds really beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was it's how a... she expressed her feelings rather than trying to find words for them. She just let her body express it. Mm-hmm. Mhm. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um and so obviously there's a strong connection to pleasure in your work. Um so tell us a little bit about like why is pleasure important? Um you know, obviously we all enjoy pleasure and you know, we enjoy sensuality and sex and eating pie and <laughs> all kinds of ways that we experience pleasure. Um but we all just kind of think of it as like a default, you know. So why is it important for us to like actually pursue pleasure and the right kinds of pleasure? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing that I love about pleasure, um, so first of all, I, I love going to like the etymology of things and like the mythology. Pleasure is the daughter of eros and psyche, um, mm. so eros being being you know the, the love and and desire want, psyche being you know, the the soul the the human spirit, and both of these things being kind of ethereal, but then pleasure being something that is grounded of the body of the earth, and literally a physical manifestation of our desire to express the human spirit. Mm. Um, and so when we, whenever I talk about pleasure, I really make the connection that pleasure is our human desire to express our humanness, to express our, you know, ourselves as beings in this world. Um, mm. And to deny that is to literally cut ourselves off from from who we are. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and and so that's like the you know, kind of like the the mythological connection with pleasure. And another thing about pleasure is it is I feel like it is the it's the fuel. It can it is it's the fuel for what we're creating for what we're doing. A lot of people will see uh, pleasure as like the reward, but actually pleasure is the fuel. It's the it's the it's the engine. It's the thing that that keeps us going and that gets us going. It's not the thing that we should wait for, you know, in order for us to get, you know, oh, I did all this work and and so now I get my reward. No, create that create that um, that juice within yourself so that then you can. You can perform more and better and with and with better clarity. Hmm. Interesting. So, what mm-hmm. I want to ask you, like, what kind of things we can do to generate that pleasure? Because a lot of times we um, we think that pleasure is the end of the action, like it just comes. But like, <laughs> so how can we how can we be intentional about generating that pleasure in our life? Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the easiest 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 ways to generate pleasure, and that's and that I do want to like you know I do want to like just say something really quickly about that. Um, there is a lot of like uh, people have an idea that pleasure is just like this really humongous you know orgasmic juicy thing that's like all over the place, and it totally can be that. But I really feel it's pleasure is also also a spectrum of, you know, a spectrum of expression. Like, you know, our human spirit doesn't just, you know, isn't always kind of isn't always a big volcano of juices. Sometimes it's like, you know, a little a little bit a little bit of wetness, a little bit of warmth. Um, and so one of the easiest ways to cultivate pleasure and to grow it in your life and every day is by a simple paying attention to the senses. Um, so, um, with, let's say sight, if you sight is, I, I, you know, just the delight in the world with your vision and allow your eyes to just really have a sense of curiosity about, about something that you're looking at. It could be, it could be your food and just really allowing your eyes to like, take in the artistry of of how the food glistens or or how this thing is shaped or how your own body is shaped and this bringing curiosity and openness to that let's also go with smell like pay attention you know take a moment to just be with the scent of the thing be with the scent of yourself always bringing in a sense of curiosity um and then let's bring it on to to touch Take a moment to really maybe just feel your own hand. Let your fingers softly glide down your arm, your hand, letting your fingers feel the sense of of heat and the texture and the hairs and the curves and the concaves. And then let's go to hearing. Take a moment to open your ears to whatever the sound is even the sound of your own breathing, the sound of your own voice, the sound of the saliva that is in your mouth. And then taste. When you put something in your mouth, let it 
marinate and melt onto your tongue. Feel the, the bringing, once again, bring us into curiosity of the salt or the pungent or the sweet and how all of those things come together. And so when we're able to take a moment, slow down, savor being in the experience of the five senses, then we can create a way of being in pleasure that is that can be really nuanced and really um, it can be really gentle and it can also be very erotic and raw and juicy. Um, but what this does when you whenever whenever I'm teaching about this, I start off with you know just have see where you can bring a sense of curiosity in your five senses so that you can build a repertoire, build a relationship with how pleasure exists in your body and exists in your world around you. And everything doesn't have to be like, oh, my gosh, you touch it and, you know, and everything's like exploding. It could just be like this really soft, gentle touch that reverberates through your entire body, and that can make all the difference. Wow, I went on a little journey with you there. That was really beautiful. (laughs) That was awesome, like the quality of your voice and all the, you know, bringing each sense in. Thank you for that. That was so cool. And like so much came up for me to ask you about from that. It's so rich. You know, I was just talking to um, a spiritual coach the other day. He calls himself a guide. And we were talking about how we work with clients. And I'm a relationship coach, and we, we do things very similar with our clients. It's just that we have different doorways. So my doorway is mm-hmm. the friction that happens in relationships. So there's some kind of friction happening. They call me up, and we go into transformation through that doorway. And he has people like that are in some kind of spiritual yearning or some sort of spiritual crisis. They call him. And, and so I'm hearing that you come through another doorway, but it's it's the similar transformation. And as we get into, like when you had a slow, you, you know, I went with you. I slowed down. I imagined I had like a really delicious piece of like fruit in my mouth and I was just tasting. I didn't really have it. I was just imagining it, you know, I was like tasting a little piece mm-hmm. of fruit And I was thinking, God, if I ate all my food that way, I would never overeat. (laughs) And there would be all the problems with, like, compulsive eating and weight gain. Like, just to slow down and, like, really let yourself enjoy, like, fully enjoy your food instead of, like, being in a hurry to, like, eat a quantity of it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just, yeah, I just really yeah. saw, like, that this is, this is just a unique doorway into whatever transformation your clients need does that make sense to you yeah absolutely that's so yep (laughs) I love how you spoke about that because one thing I talk about in the teaching as well is like digestion our digestion starts as soon as we see the food yeah Mm. to create 
um, starting to secrete the juices and the different hormones that we're going to need in order to process that food. And so this whole, you know, when you recreate a, you know, this like ritual around, around our food, it totally just allows us to have a, you know, more conscious, a conscious relationship with our, with ourselves. That's for me, that's like literally the first thing that anyone that we do um, when working with me is, is actually that is, how are you eating? What, you know, what are you mm-hmm. noticing when you are with your food? Because it's something that we do every day. We eat every day. Mm-hmm. Most people, you know, have some kind of shower or bath. You know, these, like, these little things that, that we can just end up just being very rote about, just like I'm doing the thing, I'm performing the task, you know, I'm eating my body, right. da, 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 that are actually doorways to, um, to, what I call increasing sensual intelligence, which essentially is just the 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 art of feeling and being alive, of being in your pleasure, of being able to experience, being the full experience of yourself as a being in this world. So I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I bet a lot of our listeners would like to be a fly on the wall when you take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people are like, "Oh my gosh!" But it, and I'll never get finished with my with my food, or I'll never take a shower. It's like, no, you have to do it the entire time, like with the food, like something simple. Just do it with the first the first five bites, you know, just like something simple. And then uh-huh. with your shower, it's like, you know, maybe the first you know first couple of minutes, just really be like, ah, you know, just feeling that hot water, the cool water, and hearing the sound, you know, I just love, for me, whenever I, whenever I'm in that way, because I'm bringing myself there as much as I am speaking it, speaking it out, I'm, you know, it's, it is a sensual, it, it is a sensual experience. Our, our bodies are, our bodies maintain, our bodies hold and feel all of these different sensations that we've ever had. And so, I mean, when I talk about sensual intelligence, it's not about something that people, that people don't have or don't, you know, or lack. It's more so that it's something that's not been exercised. And so we all have, you know, everyone has like the, the capacity for great sensation and feeling and ecstasy and pleasure. Um, it's just like, it's just a, a matter of, where are you putting your attention? Are you putting your attention? And, you know, yeah, going, going into got. yourself and discovering. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I got from it. A lot of it is just the noticing. Um, we often go so fast that we're just not even noticing. Like, you know, I'm in Hawaii now and I go watch the sunset several days a week. And it's like, oh, the sunset, you know, the sunsets every day. So what? But like here in Hawaii, the sunset is a ritual. Like, you know, there's tons mm-hmm. of people on the beach and we all watch the sunset. And we're, there's so much of an appreciation for it here. It's like this meditation mm-hmm. that the whole island is doing together, you know. So there's yeah. a lot of ways that I think we can slow down and do those things that we take for granted. Um, I, it also made me think about um, this friend of mine leads trips into the forest, even if it's like in Golden Gate Park in the middle of San Francisco or even if it's in a city, 
and or like during the pandemic, he's having people just go into their yards or a nearby park separately and they just, you know, call on the phone and meet online. And he has people like really slow down and like just stand still and notice like, for example, look for motion in the, in nature, like in the trees and leaves, like look for motion. Like he just has you do little tasks like that. And it creates this incredible meditative state where you're just like, your eyes are just delighted with all these things that you never noticed before because you're usually flying through, going on a hike, trying to get in shape or some other goal, (laughs) being with what is. And so this brings us back to like a very universal spiritual concept of being in the now. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of the highest thing we can do is just be here now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be here now. And, and, you know, I, I know that it can be like, Oh, how can I just, how can I be here now all the time? That's not functional. Well, I mean, what we end up doing instead is never being in the now, never being present, Mm -hmm. which then actually creates dis-ease, disease in our bodies. And so like, you Mm -hmm. know, when we do any of these types of practices, it's not to, we have to create a practice, create a sense of, create a training within our own beings so that the body, mind, spirit, heart, etc., remembers how to be in the present moment. And then you get to have a choice. You get to choose, like, okay, I'm going to, like, pause and be here. Or then, no, I'm actually going to, like, you know, move forward and do all the different things. But most people are always, the only, the only way that they have been, you know, that also society has, you know, has said this is the way to be is always forward moving, always going, going, going. Um, any, any of these practices that people are like, oh my gosh, but I'm not going to have enough time. It's like, you're just, you're actually just not giving yourself a choice. You know, take, take some of these, do some of these practices and then be able to choose when you want to, you know, be able to actually choose, okay, I'm going to taste my food. I'm going to feel pleasure. I'm going to be able to be with my partner because you've actually, you know, you're, you've given your body the chance to be able to recognize that opportunity when it presents itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with Shanri Nato, a sensual intelligence and embodiment expert. And if you'd like to call in and ask Shanri any questions, please feel free to do that. We welcome your call. You won't interrupt us. It'll just put you on hold, and we'll come and get you when we're ready to find out what your question is. So the call-in number is 657-383-1132. Again, that's 657 657- Three eight three one one three two. So we were talking about um, pleasure and how we can use pleasure as the fuel as opposed to the end result. And so um, why do you think, Shanri, you've thought about this and I know you're writing about it, like why our culture has this um, total mixed message about like there's pleasure, you know, that we use pleasure to sell everything. And yet at the same time, there's shame about pleasure. 
So we're getting like this incredible mixed message about it. Have you thought about that in your writing? Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, talking about shame, um, what's really interesting, I talk about shame as, as um, internalized oppression. And so mm-hmm. when right now, like how, how, our, how our society is kind, of, is kind of set up is to be the most productive as possible. So, and, and then I'm, just, I'm just speaking specifically about, about North America. Um, and that productivity and everything that we have is, comes from, I mean, like the foundation, of, the foundation of America comes from slavery and from uh, the from dispossessing and disempowering indigenous peoples. And so when you, in, in order for, you know, capitalism to keep on going and running, as it did, you had, quote, unquote, free labor. And that free labor was uh, perpetuated through creating, through disconnecting people from their bodies, both the slaves and the slave owners had to be disconnected from their bodies. Um, in order mm. to continue to be productive, you have to, not you know not be connected with pleasure <laughs> because if you, you know if you're connected with pleasure then that, that'll make you quote unquote lazy um yeah. and so then we have like this big boom and that created the i guess the protocol or the the the, the blueprint for how for, you know for for our values and so mm-hmm. of course pleasure has to has to you know be in this very weird place it's something that we naturally need as human beings but when your when your society is created and maintained through people having to suppress or being punished if they do not suppress their expression of pleasure then then yeah you're going to have this really crazy hypocritical messaging that you know that that's all around Wow, that's really powerful. So just even the origins of our country and our culture was about suppressing pleasure in the, quote, workforce, which was slaves. And then the slave owners, if they were really in touch with their body and their pleasure, they wouldn't have been able to treat human beings that way. So mm-hmm. exactly. Like this instant stifling, like from the very get-go, we're stifling that natural human response. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, and when you look at, and then when you look at, like you know, how trauma and stuff lives in the body, you know, it's like a combination of this is how right now how the you know that's how the system you know that's like the 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 dominant system. It's not something that even everyone like really wants to do, but it's just like the status quo. Um, mm-hmm. So so you have like the status quo, and then you know for some people you really have true trauma that's existing in the bodies for you know from you know, from experiencing that. And so then you, you know, and honestly, when people start paying attention to pleasure and mm-hmm. giving and yeah, start paying attention to pleasure, that is a, people, you know, talk about radical acts of, you know, of revolution or evolution. That is a very evolved thing to do um, to mm-hmm. pay attention to the body, to become and allow yourself to um, be a part of a natural, a natural system and seeing how, you know, seeing how things shift. 
like pleasure and sensuality, et cetera, those are more connected to, you know, nature cycles than, you know, than, you know, than slavery and, you know, everything that, everything that happened with around that. So it's really, it's really fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I can see how the hypocrisy comes because we aren't really getting what we need because there's the denial. So then we mm-hmm. have this hunger, this insatiable hunger for pleasure. So it's showing up in our faces all the time and the advertisements and porn addiction and so forth. But if we mm-hmm. could really slow down and give ourselves those five bites before we eat a meal or start our shower with feeling how delightful it is just to feel ourselves without thinking about how other people might be judging us and just being with our body for a few minutes, then I can imagine that those practices can eliminate that hunger, right? For like that insatiable hunger we have for more pleasure outside ourselves. Yeah, it can definitely, uh, if not, if not eliminate, then, then, then alleviate because, you know, like uh, all these addictions comes, yeah, can, can come from like, can come from like exactly what you said. It's like this star starvation. And then, uh, what do you call it? When you like, either you starve and then you're like, uh, uh, what's the opposite of starving when you like binging, eating everything in sight, (laughs) binging, Binging, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, star- starvation and then, and then binging because you know our yes. our systems are you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to create some kind of equilibrium. Anything that we suppress is going to come out somehow. You can't suppress something right. and then expect it to actually go away. It's gonna it's gonna come out, but it's gonna come out in some really weird, funky manner. And that's mm-hmm. you know shame shame is a way to shame is a way to try to keep us keep us policed, policing pleasure. Um, and then the more we have shame, like, you know, then things just get, people just get weird. People do some really mm-hmm. odd things that are like, that are disconnected from themselves. Some people don't even know that they're, you know, know that they're doing certain, certain activities um, or they're, or they're in complete denial of it because it's not, it's not okay. It's not right now, you know, but not for everyone, but at least in like the, the, the messaging is, it's not okay because if you feel pleasure, if you do this, then you're then you're doing something bad, then you're being lazy, then you are uh, being selfish, then you're being I don't know, you know, what, whatever things that happen whenever people either deny themselves um, just more uh, more consistent pleasure, or if they start um, or if they feel like their pleasure is being policed and um, and regulated and suppressed. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So as people begin to um, embody um, and become more embodied, I can imagine mm-hmm. that a lot of old trauma and old feelings would come to the surface, and I think that's a lot of why we don't do that, because we don't want to touch mm-hmm. on that stuff. Yeah. So how how do you help people to come to terms and process the old painful stuff that's inside our body? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that I, that I've just, you know, experienced again and again when I'm with people is um, 
there's a sense of judgment around, you know, when, when and if a trauma starts to surface, there it's, it's, it's met with judgment of like, this shouldn't be here, or I don't want it to be here, or if I have it, then it means X, Y, Z. And so mm-hmm. in that, and even in that, um, that process is also a, you know, also kind of a symptom of, you know, of how, of how we've been raised in, you know, in our, in our culture, you know, it's like, you have to, you need to, you need to be a certain way. It's not okay to show your feelings. It's not okay to cry or, you know, especially, especially for men. Um, but for anyone, if, you know, if you, if you want to be in power, then you can't, you know, then you can't show this thing. And so one of the things that I, that I do with people is um, whenever I'm working one-on-one or, or in any place is literally um, let them know and have them speak to that part, that traumat- that traumatized or that shamed part of themselves and tell that part that it's okay that it feels the way it feels. It's okay mm-hmm. for it to be scared. It's okay for it to, you know, that all the different, all the different feelings that are coming up are, are welcome. Um, because what happens a lot of times people will, they will, deny they will want to deny that part of themselves and um and in that process it's a it's a betrayal of self it's a pushing mm-hmm. away pushing away of your of your own self and saying yes this yes and, and colluding with the stories yes this is something that is bad no you shouldn't say anything um but when we really um allow let's say for example um um, someone someone's trauma is um, being being hit by being hit by a parent when they're a child mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that and the stories that come up for that child that are you know they're they're living those stories are living in the tissues of the body right and um, and so then they'll, you know, they'll feel like a certain part of their body, like, you know, heat up or light up. And then I'll literally just have them, um, you know, if they can't speak about the story, then to just feel that part of the body and just hold it, just give it love or ask it what it needs. And that's, that is the permission. That is the permission for and the space for that trauma to to feel safe to you know to come out to express what happened or to express what it needs instead of you know a lot of times what we'll do is you know is say no I should you know I should have been better or it's not that bad or you know or or they you know they were doing what they had to do or somehow another part of us would think that we deserve it um, and so the gesture the gesture of, you know, uh, it's like um, creating within our own self a gesture of that maternal, paternal um, acceptance, permission, and love that mm-hmm. allows that trauma to be to be held, to be seen, to just be without having to change it. It doesn't have to be changed. A lot of times we're like, you know, I want it to be gone. And so, you know, I'm going to do all these things. It's not trying to make it disappear. 
It's actually just allowing it to be seen and to be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's such a challenge to do, so I can see why it would be helpful mm-hmm. to have someone like you to hold their hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, like, when, yeah. you, when you... um. When you had the experience of being molested, is it okay if I ask you a question about that? Absolutely. Um, did you do you remember connecting or like in retrospect, like did you make it mean something? Did you tell yourself a story about why it happened to you or anything like that? Yeah. Um I I made it mean that well, for for me in that case, I I honestly made it mean that I was that I was powerless. Um, and let me, let me let me let me really fill into that because I like well, I remember like when more what was happening, I just felt like yeah, I just felt powerless and voiceless mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and stuck. And so I think that mm-hmm. I felt like. Um, if I get into situations um, that I'm going to be powerless to do anything about it, that I'm going to be, that I'm going to be stuck, that I'm going to be, yeah, that I'm not going to be able to move and that I'm not going to be able to get any opportunities. Um, and so when that's, what's so interesting about, you know, about these traumas and about how they, you know, how they stay in the body, um, how they, especially if we don't, if we don't see them, they, they will also shape, how our bodies are in the world, and so it was it was something that I had to that I had to keep on um, keep diving deeper into the dance doing that dance and expressing all of that rage, et cetera that was like step one, but then there are many mm-hmm. other many other steps more more embodiment more you know looking into how am i how is my body still creating a sense of being powerless? Um, around around men or around certain around certain power dynamics that I that I um, that I'm perceiving or that I think that I'm perceiving, um, my body will go you know can go into a certain type of posturing that was very similar to how I was posturing when you know when this man was was molesting me, and so mm-hmm. so yeah so when yeah the the un, unpeeling and unpeeling the layers and um, unpeeling the layers that that traumatic events put into our bodies and into our psyches is it's a process you know it's a a process and it's something that um, we have to first be aware of um, and then Mm -hmm. as we as we really then that's why for me like sensuality is so necessary and so critical because it is actually through our senses through connection to our sensuality that we can actually start feeling what, you know, what's going on, you know, what's going on in our bodies, what's going on in our emotions, what's going on in our feelings um, that a lot of times trauma will make us, um, will make us either numb to or make it so exaggerated that we can't, that we can't function. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. That's really powerful. Um, And so this makes me think about, an interview I heard the other day of this woman that had gone through a lot of racial trauma and she said, you know, we just, we just have to not think about it. That's just how we get through is just not thinking about it. 
And mm-hmm. that just made me feel so sad. And, you know, this is a really big topic. We could do a whole other interview on it. But, and I, I want to be sensitive. I'm a white woman and you're a, and you're a black woman. And I want to be sensitive to, you know, you don't speak for all black people or all black women. You're just you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, the amount of trauma, and a black man directed me to a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, which I thought was really powerful. Mm-hmm. I read the summary of it about that the black people carry this racial trauma. And so if you've been, if you've been a, like, your family had tremendous, poli- you know, victims of police violence or some kind of really traumatic racial violence, is there hope for that, for people who've been through that, do they really just have to not think about it? I know that's a big question, but mm. <laughs> I'm going to lay it on you here in the last slide. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> that's totally fine. <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, not thinking about it is, is this, it's very, it's like, it's the, um, that's a, it's a survival technique mm-hmm. that will allow you to function, you know, to do things out in the world, but mm-hmm. it, but your, you know, your, your fulfillment, your thriving, your joy, your ability to express, your ability to connect with, you know, with family members, all these different things, you know, once again, like I said at the beginning, Anything that we're repressing, it it's gonna it's gonna come out. Some it's gonna come out somehow. It has to. Yeah. Um, yes. And so when so for me, like being being a black woman, a dark skinned black woman who grew up, I grew up all over. Um, all because my family was in the military, but then later on, I was in the South, and so mm-hmm. I got to experience both. I got to experience like all of it. I got to experience this, you know, being a black body in many different, in many different cultures and societies, and then being a black body in the South. And mm-hmm. the idea and the practice of just getting, of just getting through it um, leads to, leads to heart disease. So leads to, you know, leads to like this, like inter, you know, internalized like anger and, and, and depression and, and all these different things that, that I, that I feel as a, as a black woman were, are not, are not helpful for me being a full, a full human being. And Mm -hmm. one of the, and the reason why like things like sensuality and pleasure are incredibly beautiful ways to um, to start healing that is because it really it it's it's your journey it's your connection to your own body it's not something that you have to try to explain to anyone that you have to try to show or demonstrate um, when black people are you know like Post-traumatic slave syndrome, it literally is telling us uh, slaves had to keep from connecting to their bodies, not connect Mm -hmm. to their pleasure, not connect to their families, not connect to their emotions. So to continue to not connect to, to to ourselves is continuing that cycle. And something that is truly radical and truly healing 
and breaks people open is actually feeling that they have permission to feel their own selves, to feel Mm -hmm. their own pleasure, that they have a right to it and a right to explore it. Mm -hmm. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Really good answer. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's really powerful. Um, So my last question for you is, can you share with us some practices that we can do for those, those of us that don't have a lot of connection during the pandemic to other people? Um, what are some mm-hmm. ways that we can generate our own oxytocin and serotonin, all those chemicals that we typically get from other people? I mean, you gave us a, a few tips, but are there any additional things that you can share with us that, that can help us get through Hopefully, we're close to the end of this isolation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I so feel it. I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that is not around a lot of people. Um, and so I do, I totally feel the lack of serotonin and, and oxytocin. And so in addition to the, the slowing down with the eating um, and paying attention, mm-hmm. everything's like, you know, slow down and pay attention to your senses. Um and and with that, um, breathing, when you, I, I like to really take a moment to feel as if my breath is massaging the inside of my body. And so mm-hmm. just like the visualization of like when I breathe in, it's like really feeling like the, the delicious coolness of the oxygen touching you. And that when you exhale, all of that warm air that is coming out, it is the essence of you connected with the essence of the world all being breathed out. So allowing yourself to really feel yourself as a a sensually regenerative being, even even through your breathing. Combining that with touch, with touching your own self, and most importantly, um, creating a visualization around other times that you have been touched. Those things are absolutely in the body. And so when, I mean, this is like literally like creating, it's, it's not, it's actually not fantasizing. I mean, you could say it's fantasizing, but it's actually like re- creating, creating a memory, creating, creating that sense, you know, with the breath with the senses, with that touch, it is a way to create within the brain that mm-hmm. that experience of being with others again. And also I would say definitely if you can do it like on the you know, on the phone or on video, um, video chat with someone and do it at the same time, it can help even more for the brain to start creating and start believing um, and start being able to feel that connection. So, I mean, while touch itself, there's nothing that can replace a touch from another human being. The being able to feel someone's vibration, like let's see, like even when I'm speaking right now, if you can like, if you, if you hold the, the, uh, the microphone or the speaker close to you, you can feel the vibration of my voice touching Mm. your body and vibrating through your being. Mm. So yeah, that's also that. another <laughs> way to to really connect in that way. 
Mm, wonderful. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. I've done a couple of like um, videos. I've had a couple of really profound video experiences. One was just, you know, making eye contact and like sending energy back and forth that really enlivened me. And another one was where we um, touched our own face, and then the other person on the, on the Zoom on the screen was to touch their face in the way that I was touching mine. So I was controlling how yeah. how they touched their face by how I was touching mine, and there was something really magical mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got those mirror neurons. Those mirror neurons are... That's <laughs> They really yeah, come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, Chanri, we're out of time, but I've just really enjoyed our conversation, and I want to make sure that you take the last couple minutes to... Tell people how they can reach you if they'd like to learn more about what you teach and if you have anything that you want to offer our audience. Yeah. So my I'm pretty easy to find. You can check me out on my website, which is shawnree.com. My name is spelled S-H-A-W-N-R-E-Y.com. And there um, people can sign up for a – uh, I have a free gift that is um, – it's like being able to embody the five, five ways to embody your essence. Um, so this is talking about some of these practices that I've shared on, on this call about really connecting, connecting to your body, connecting to your senses, um, and being able, to be, being able to be in your pleasure. Um, soon I'm going to I love your, I love your quiz, but as soon I'm going to have a quiz as well. Um, and that's going to be like the, it's going to be this, it's a sensual intelligence quiz, which is different from like the test I'm going to make. Um, the sensual intelligence quiz is going to really um, dive into like, what is your, um, what is your sensual, sensual intelligence archetype? Um, so I have like five, five archetypes of different ways that we tend to embody um, or not embody that's connected to pleasure, power, play, passion, or peace. And different, and how you, whichever one of those archetypes that you um, express more, will will give you an idea of what what are the other places that you're really, if you're like, if you're feeling like more like shy, um, ex- for example, shy, and you're like a care, you're a caregiver, and you're a caretaker. It's a lot of the, a lot of moms or people that are caring for their parents. They tend to have a lot of that peace. That, which is beautiful. It gives it gives them the power of peace, but they sometimes will be lacking maybe like passion, which is like that fire and boundaries, or play, which is that levity and curiosity. And so this quiz will be able to help will be able to tell people like you know where you are in your sensual manifestation, and then what are the ways that you can that you can deepen into having more of a more full experience. There's that. And then mm-hmm. also you can check out any of any of my poetry. Um, and sensual yumminess on Instagram. I, I say poetry. I give like yummy dances um, that you can use to that you can use to embody. So follow me on Instagram at um, your quirky queen, or you can just look at my name Shanri, and I'll be easy to find. Awesome! Thank you so much, Shanri. I loved having you here, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Liberty. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. If uh, you join us next week, uh, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, we'll be speaking with Lauren Searles, Tantric Love and Relationship Coach. And we'll talk to you then. Good night, everyone.